how great is His love that He died for me. Now, you know, if Jesus was basically the insurance for mankind, because He was slain before the foundation of the world. Okay? Now, if I've got insurance on a car, <clears throat> the only way, I mean, if that car gets stolen, it must pay out the value of the car. Isn't it? That's why He had to give His Son. For when man was made, he was made in the image of God. And only the image of God could redeem man. For that's the value of the lost world out there. (laughs) Hallelujah! You can't buy with an angel. For a lost sinner is worth more. And God couldn't have done what He's done if He didn't have the value, the thing, to buy us back. And if He didn't see our value. So I want to tell you, God saw the value, saw your value while you were a sinner. That's why He paid that price. You know, when you go and buy something in the shop, they first put the price there. Isn't it? So, our value was already placed in God. For when He made us, He made us the way He was. Then that wonderful God being got lost. The value hasn't changed. He's just lost. If your car's stolen, the value is the same. It's just not at your house anymore. It's just lost. It's like the prodigal son. He's lost. He's dead. In the eyes of the Father, He was as good as dead. But He was still His Son. The value has not changed. It's the same. Isn't it? That's just exactly what God has done for you. And if we can start to realize our value, that's why, how could you die for me? I know why. Because you've made me like this. And that is a place where, I mean, if we start to live in the place of our value for God, not because we are now something special in our own efforts. In your own efforts, your efforts means nothing to God. Your best effort means nothing. But He looks at who you are as a being. And I think that is, it is, it has always been the plan of God that we look at God in the same way. At His being. At who He is. You know, you cannot believe in someone if you don't know who he is. You need to discover the person. And once, belief is not something that can be worked up. Belief is something that is a fruit of seeing things that falls in place that, uh, uh, who can I say that, activate, it activates belief in your heart. You know, if somebody comes to me and he steals my stuff, and he talks to me rudely, and all those type of things, and he, he, he handles me in a, not in a good manner, I cannot believe in him. It's impossible. I cannot believe in him. I cannot rest my mind in who he is as a person towards blessing me. It's impossible. I cannot do it. Even if, you, if I try, even if I confess, even if I walk around the house and say, man, I'm going, I believe that this guy is now going to be faithful. He's now going to be good. He's now, man, 
You cannot do it. It's impossible. You need to have information about a person that produces that trust in your heart. And like you might say, you know, back to you, went off a bit harsh on this, on the money thing before the worship. But the thing is that robs us, the wrong type of teaching concerning anything robs us of our perspective of who God is. And when that robs us of our perspective of who God is, you cannot believe in God. There was this guy, an atheist, <clears throat> oh, he was an atheist, and then he went and he studied the, um, the history you know, about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And as a person that, that's a left brain type of person, just thinks in the facts and everything, after studying all the facts, he said, well, I had to believe in Jesus. I mean, there's more, I, I mean, it's, it's likely they said Islam, <clears throat> they've got a book, the Quran, that was written 600 years after Jesus. And they tell us who Jesus is. Now, who are you going to believe? Someone that wrote a book 600 years after Jesus or someone that walked with Jesus? <laughs> I mean, there's facts and stuff like that. And then he said, well, because of all the facts, I believe that Jesus died and of all the facts and the people that talked about it and the, where it appeared and people that was there, all the testaments together, the writings of people in that time, all those facts, He is risen. So I am a Christian, I believe He died and that He was risen. And then something came in my mind. I said, well, you know, those people that was there at the tomb that saw that He was not in the tomb anymore, I'm talking about the gods that was guarding, they also believe that Jesus died and was risen. But are they saved? You see, the thing is, let me put it this way, have they received the salvation that God has already given them? That's what, I'm, what I want to say. So, because God has already brought salvation to all of man. But when you believe, the Bible says that grace is towards all and upon all that believes. So, it's towards everybody. It has come for everybody. The sinner out there, his sin has been paid for. But belief, you say, Lord, I receive it. I say yes. I come to the knowledge of this. And belief is something that comes through knowledge. You need to know about it, then you start to believe it. So, um, but what I believe brings true salvation is what you believe happens because He died and rose again. Because there were many people that believed that He died and rose again. Many. And there are facts Historical, it's a historical fact that he died and rose again. There were people that knew, that believed with all their heart that he died and rose again and then said, let's spread a rumor that say they stole him. But they believed it. But it's what you believe that implies. What does it mean when he died for me? It means that when Jesus died, a man born under the law of a woman, Mary, Jesus was born under the law. He obeyed the law on my behalf. And when He died, He died, the man that relates to God on a law basis is dead. He died. When Adam died, then the, the, the man that related to God on a spirit basis died and a man was born again which related to God on a law basis. Works, you're going to, by the sweat of your brow, have a relationship with God. And get everything you, you, you want to get. 
So Adam was born again backwards. But when Jesus came, a new man was born. That's what we believe. And when we start to see the truth about what happened upon the cross and what everything Jesus did implies, we start to, we only then start to form a picture of who God is. And only then you start to rest your mind in the person of God. That's why it is of uttermost importance to have accurate knowledge when it comes to biblical things. We must have accurate knowledge. I tell you. We can't go around saying, well, you know, it's like I, I watched this movie, Amazing Grace. Um, they say, this the guy that wrote the song, Amazing Grace. He, was, he worked on a slave ship. They brought, in the slave trade in the 1800s, they brought these slaves from Africa. And they, man, they basically put them in a, 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 a what's a kiss, man? Coffin. It's like, it's like a coffin, and they would stay in that for three, four weeks. They would die in there. There's no toilet. You chain in that thing. A little hole they throw food through. That's what they did with people. And this guy saw that, and then he asked God for forgiveness. His eyes was opened. He asked God for forgiveness and received the grace of God. And that's when he wrote the song. It was about, and, and the movie was about this guy that said, let's stop the slave trade, and how he for 20 years basically was fighting to stop it. And then one guy said, listen, I want to just say this, and you know, everything is this court case and this whole parliament thing and everything, and he said, listen, I see what you say. I agree with you. But let's stop it gradually, because it's not going to be good for the economy of England. And I, I thought that's exactly how it is sometimes in church. We see the grace. Yes! But let's just go out of the law system gradually. (laughs) While people die. (laughs) No. No, no. The swart of it, my bro. We're heading, we are, what we do is we say, if we're in for a penny, we're in for a pound. That's it. Everything, Lord Jesus, for what you've done. That's what we believe. That's what we stand for. That's what we preach. And we are not changing from that. Hallelujah. We're going to stay in that. And we want to every day, when we read the Bible, and, 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 and I want you to remember the picture that I've said, <coughs> that I've painted was, we want to read the Bible to eventually start to get our minds into who God is. For the subconscious mind of a person, um, psychology teaches us that the subconscious mind, which is in the Bible basically called your heart. Your heart is it, I pump me. Bible language. (laughs) It's it's your belief machine. It's what you believe with. Um, And in our our subconscious minds, there are things you will find in counseling sometimes, you will find somebody, you know, they, they cannot have the husband and wife, there's a problem there. There's not a good, say, sexual relationship or something. But it was because, um, say, the husband, he was, when he was a child, he was molested. So, in his subconscious mind, in his belief, he believes that's dirty. So, now, it doesn't matter what he cognitively tries to decide. He, can, he, he lives out of what he believes. 
And what we do, and this is why I say we must, when we read the scripture, we read the scripture from the perspective to see the person of God. So, if I come and I tell you, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to come down. It sounds good. He's going to come down. You know, and He's going to bless us all here and heal us. But you also hear that He's not here. Okay? And now, if I tell you, listen, if we just, if we sing just right, yeah, we press in. We press in. You can't, you're not in. Yeah, you must keep on pressing in. Yeah. Yeah. You must keep that pressure there. And then one day you're going to find a weak spot in God where He cannot resist anymore. And then He might just have to bless you. Huh? Yeah, that's it. So now what do you believe? What do you believe about Eventually, if you, this whole thing you must press in. You must try to, if we just worship just right, you know. And that's what you've been taught all the time. Then God's going to bless you. And you know what? If you still, like we spoke on the finances, pay everything right, you know what? Then He's also going to bless you. Yeah. And you know what? If you always confess right and never say a wrong thing, and just confess right, walk right, do everything right, you know what? Then God, He will give you even a long life. Hmm. Do you know what you believe actually? Do you know what your subconscious mind believes? Your subconscious mind believes God will never help you. Because in your heart you know you don't qualify. And you know your shortcomings. And you know you cannot hide that away. That is, and then it's taught, you know God sees your heart. eh? So now I must have that relationship with God from a perspective and a subconscious mind that is pumped full of I have not, I will never have, you know. Uh, and, and the thing is, you're nothing, but if you do everything right, you will become a something. That's not the truth. That's not even God's perspective of you at all. That's not even God's perspective of a sinner, man. He gave His Son for a sinner. For that was the the payment for that person. For that's the value of that person. In the beginning. From the beginning. Now let me tell you, you're not just going to say one day, you know, well, today I believe that I'm everything. It doesn't work that way. The mind, through your mind and through what you hear, your heart is programmed. And through time of continual knowing God's unconditional love for you, you will find that your belief system comes to a place when your, when your bank account says this, you find, my mind says I must fear, but I don't find fear. It's because, you know, it's like, um, <laughs> it works the other way around as well. You know, you look at the bank account, you see, you start so honored, they send around to bank. Then you feel in your heart, Man, I see this money, but I fear. Why? Why do I fear? I don't know why. doesn't matter how much there is, I always find this little bit of fear. Why? It's because of that subconscious mind, the way you believe. Because your belief out of your heart flows your emotions. Out of that subconscious mind flows how you feel about things. 
That's, that's why you feel like that. But when you come to a place where you have realized and understood the person of God and the study you make, and when you read a scripture, you say, wow, look at what God has done. Let's see what type of God is He then that will do things like this. There's wonderful things. Your mind will start to come to rest. Belief is not something you can decide to do. It's something that happens in your heart. And I tell you, it is something that's unshakable. You cannot shake it. If you've had grace. The Bible says, in Hebrews 12, it says, let us have grace. He says, says, yet once more, he shakes heaven and earth. He shakes heaven and earth. How does he shake heaven and earth? By the word of grace. Because the word of grace shakes any religious system. Any works orientated manipulation, um, control type of system, the word of grace shakes it. And God says, once more I shake the world. He says, but have grace, whereby you may serve God acceptably, or then have grace so that you will not be shaken. So if you have, if you hear the message of grace, of God's forgiveness, of His love, and also of His in Him indwelling you, Him obeying on your behalf, He Him seated at the right hand of the Father in human flesh today. Why? Glorified human flesh, because He represents you as a man today. In the Old Testament, if the high priest came and he did a sacrifice and and it was accepted, everybody was accepted. If the high priest came and he sacrificed and it wasn't accepted, everybody was rejected. And Jesus is a high priest and he was accepted. Hallelujah. Amen. So you are accepted in the beloved. But if you look at your works, let me tell you something, you will never be accepted. We are only accepted in Christ. Amen. We are accepted in the beloved. In him we live and move and have our being. Hallelujah. That's the scripture. So when we come to the place, we start to realize the person of God. Who God is. As a result of looking at the things that He has done in His Son. When you persuade of what is done in His Son, you'll find that belief come in your heart. That peace that comes in your heart. And if you don't have that belief in your heart, don't try and fool yourself. Just say, listen, I don't believe that way. When things happen, I fear, I feel this, I feel that. And then, you know, do you know how you're going to solve your problem? By hearing more of what you have freely received in Christ. (laughs) Wherever you see sin in your life, the Bible says, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. So the more you sin, the more you need to hear grace. For grace will make you unshakable, make you stable. Amen. Yeah, hallelujah. That's the grace of God. That's what He's come to bring to us. In these last days, He speaks through His Son. Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably and not be shaken. Do you know the Tower of of, of Babel, when they built it? They were in unity and they were building, and they were building, and they were building. And that represents, listen to me now, that represents a law-based mentality to, it's a do good, get good, do bad, do bad, get bad system. In the New Testament, it speaks of the law system. The system of by your works, you are blessed before God. Now, 
your works can bless you in this world. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about your works blessing you in your righteousness between you and God. I'm talking about your relationship with God. Okay? So, and if you are blessed in your relationship with God, the works that flows out of that and the blessing that flows out of that supersedes any human effort blessing anyway. Hallelujah. Amen. So, that, that tower was built. It was built. Then God said, let's go down and see what they do. That's what the Bible says. And when God came on the scene in a law system, He confused their language. Listen, if there's a law system and God comes in there and He brings grace, the people will be confused. But just now, we had to slaughter an animal to be saved and now you tell me a man died on a cross for me now I'm saved. You just, just now I heard I need to tithe in order to open the heavens now you tell me that I'm blessed by the blood of Jesus Christ and His obedience on my behalf. I don't understand. But there's another wonderful thing. If God comes onto the scene, the tower doesn't grow anymore. It's broken. Amen. It's broken. They might have still tried a bit. It might have still stood there for a while. But you know what? It's not there anymore today. It's gone. I've got good news for you. The system of we, we, we feel that we are what we wear and we are what we drive and we are where we stay and all of that. That system has been ended in Jesus Christ and is vanishing away. And in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ you'll find the full manifestation of that in this earth. This earth will be made new and this will be an earth in which dwells righteousness. Like I said, somebody said to me, Bertie, but, you know, we were in the cell group. We said, Bertie, but, you know, we feel that we're so few people that believe this. Now, listen, I'm going to continue to believe this because I'm not willing to follow the minority. The, the Bible says the angels in heaven, you cannot number them. They believe this. And God believes this. Now, if I and God and the angels believe this, and nobody else on the planet, it's fine with me. We're a majority. I'm not going to follow a small amount of people, six billion, that doesn't believe the truth. That's a small amount. If none of the angels believe this, and it's just God, and He revealed it, and one person believes it with God, they're a majority. The rest is wrong. You might say badly, but that is, you know, that's not thinking in circles. That's the whole vision. Don't think straight, my friend. Think in a circle. With the center point, Jesus Christ. Let every thought you have pivot around. He was a human being. He obeyed on my behalf. He died on my behalf. He was resurrected on my behalf. And then, out of that, He gave me His Holy Spirit. And now, I was made the righteousness of God. Let everything pivot around that. Everything, everything. 
What does Paul say? Let's go to Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Ek hoop nie, hulle sal moegie. Ek het nou net begin. Man, I tell you, this message blesses me. It brings peace. It brings peace. I will never forget that lady that said to me, Bertie, you preach such a wonderful message. I just wish it could be the truth. <laughs> it would be really, it's a, it's a good theory you've got there. Man, man would have been so blessed. It is the truth. <laughs> but Bertie, how will I then live a holy life? Do you think that if you believe this, and God comes and He indwells you, and you receive His being, is you going to be the same? <laughs> no. No, no. You know, when I was in school, um, my vision was, man, just my life. That's all. Just my life. And whatever makes me happy. Self-centered, just a normal life. That's all I worried about. If I get out of school, I want to go and make money, you know, and I want to just bless myself. I was never thinking of others. And I wasn't like that. But after I've received the message of grace, like I, I walked there the other day, I said, Lord, <clears throat> you know, um, we want to reach people with this gospel. And, I, and it just came into my heart. God says, He wants to reach them more than what I want. Thank you, Lord. We're in agreement about this. And I was thinking, what about filling up a stadium, you know, with 50,000 people, 80,000 people? And God said, what about reaching the world? I tell you, I don't aim for 50,000. Our aim is the world. We want the whole world to hear this gospel. The whole world. How are you going to get it right? God's going to help me. That's it. That's how. And that's good enough for me. If God is in this, and He's so much in this that He gave His Son, we're going to tell the Chinese, the Indian people, the, the people in the wherever that doesn't know the gospel of grace, the people in America, in South Africa, that doesn't know this message, we're going to tell this message to them. We're going to preach it to them. If it's on television, equipping people, the, the gospel going, we'll do it. God will open the way. And He has done it. We, listen, when I was in school, it was just all about myself. Fluke and scowl and scree and steal. But when Jesus came into my life, I wasn't thinking of how should I change. I found a new man indwelling me. So, you know, sometimes we must talk about now how are we going to stop to sin. I just wish sometimes we don't have to even say that. We won't just talk about Jesus, man. Amen. Talk about Jesus. Talk about what He's done for us. And then just eat the fruit of what He's done. Which is joy and happiness. You know, when I go out here, I'm not thinking of, um, you know, who can I be angry with? Oh, God is good. You know, my wife, you yeah, man, did you enjoy the message as much as what I did? 
That's it. God, that thing on finances. God is good, man. We've got a stable life. We've got peace. When God appears, we will be happy. We're not scared for the day of the coming of the Lord. We await it. Amen. It's where Paul said, he said, listen, you, you people in Corinth, I will come back to you and I want to see, and there are the other people that also came and preached there in Corinth. I mean, Paul came and he said to them, listen, I'm like a father to you because I begot you through the gospel. In other words, you weren't believing anything and then you heard the message of grace through me. And when you heard the message of grace through me, you started to believe. Then you received the new life. Then other teachers came and they taught other messages to you. And Paul says he doesn't have anything against other people that teach. He says, but they must just watch and make sure that they build on the foundation Jesus Christ. They don't start to build on Moses now. See, Moses brought the Ten Commandments. I give you Ten Commandments, man. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You shall not desire. Okay. Begin, broer, dat ons sien. Desire nothing. Desire nie goed reis. Not a new, new shirt. Not a new car. Nothing. It's just God. Just, just there. You haven't made it. You need mercy. Okay, so now we've settled the law thing. Amen. That's settled. <laughs> you can't make it. You need mercy. You need grace. So, here he comes and he says, listen, the, guy, the other guys that come and build upon what I've taught here, but just make sure it's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And I put in my own words, another law mentality. Then he came and he said, I will come back to you, but then I will not hear the words of those that preach, but I want to see the power. And now so many times we think that speaks of signs, wonders and miracles. It can also include that. But what it actually speaks of, and to me, this is the way I see it. If I come to, if, if I preach here, and say, we, like I preached in Douglas, we planted a church there. If I come back in three years from now, I'm not, I don't want to hear what the guy preaches in the church that I planted and gave over to another man. I want to see the power, the effect of what he said. So when they worship God, and they worship and they say, Oh Lord, please come down from heaven. There's no power in his preaching. If they worship and they say, uh, Lord, please, you know, would you just be good to us? Please, Lord, never leave us. Never forsake us. If that's their worship language, I know. Maybe they've taught a wonderful thing, but there was no power to bring them to a place where they have discovered that God indwells them, that God says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, that God is not a man that he should lie, that God says, if somebody says, oh Lord, please, if they come to God like people that's not worthy, then I know that word had no power. I don't want my son, when he comes to me, to crawl on his knees begging. I'll be upset if he does that. I want him to come to me as my son. My oldest one is now 12. You know where he normally would be yielded net full grappen and whatever. I see now he's becoming older now. 
He's 12. He's, he's becoming a man. He starts to think differently. He's more quiet. You know, things just change. And what's nice is when I, when, when I saw that, inside me there's also something that changes. Because I, re, I start to relate to him more like a grown-up. And if he comes to me and he wants something from me on the same way that my five-year-old comes. No. He comes and he talks to me. My problem is a good means. Is it not? It's the same with God. We don't come as a slave. Oh, please, Master. No, no. My Father. My Father. I'm your Son. We are... Man, you don't even say that. My Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that I am approved. That, that you approve of me. Thank you that you, you're not walking around with a consciousness of my sins every day. I know that. Thank you that you are kingdom minded concerning me. You see what is good. You place value on me. And I want to just say to you, Father, what you've done in placing value on me while I was yet a sinner makes you so valuable to me. I always just want to be faithful to you. You are the only one for me. I don't want anything or anyone else. Isn't it? We want to see the power. Listen to what he says here. He says, Let the man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required of a steward that a man be found faithful. He's talking about preachers here. He says, or people that minister the gospel. He says, listen, let people account of us as stewards of the gospel. Is, has anybody got a message? Uh, yeah, message. Can I go Man, this, this is nice. Since God has so generously led us in on what He is doing, sorry, that's Second Corinthians, First Corinthians. Sorry, guys, I, I, I looked for the place, and then I said Second Corinthians, and never told you it's First Corinthians. First Corinthians, chapter four and verse one. Second Corinthians, it says, "Don't, ima- don't imagine us leaders to be something we aren't. We are servants of Christ, not His masters." Are you hearing? Don't let anybody lord it over you. For you've got one Lord and that's Jesus Christ and He doesn't even lord it over you. Okay. We are guides into God's most deeper secrets. Not um, Not security guards posted to protect them. The requirements for a good guide and um guide our reliability and an accurate knowledge. It matters very little what you think of me, even less where I rank in the popularity opinion. So Paul says, he says, I don't even care. I don't care what people think of me. I don't care where I rank in the system. And I want to say it in my life, I don't care where I rank as a preacher. And I want to say that to you. Don't worry about where you rank in the social life. It doesn't matter. It's a small thing. 
What matters, he says, is that we are found faithful to the gospel of grace. Amen. And let the beauty of the gospel of grace, the beauty of mercy and love, draw you. If you feel that drawing power, flow with it. Don't try and, and resist. No, no. God, you're a good God. You are love. Let me end off with one verse. Let's go to Let's go to um, Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4. Verse 20. Listen to this. Proverbs 4 and verse 20. Now let's take this into the New Testament. It says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. So let's take it into the New Testament. This is my son. First thing he says is you're a son. He doesn't say you're a slave. You're a son. Okay? Attend to my words. In other words, listen to what I say. Because in these last days he speaks through his son. Don't hear what the hard time says because that is not God's voice. When I heard somebody say, you know, like I, like I said, I was watching a lot of TV. Somebody said, God was speaking to her and then was going, uh, I, I mean, and was going well with them and everything and she wasn't listening. So God decided to speak a bit louder and to speak hard. And I want to use my own words, and he attacked her unborn child in the womb. Because he said, then God gave us this premature born child that's not 100% now, you know, and whatever. That's not God speaking. Preached it. Preached it from a pulpit. So how can I be ashamed of saying what I say? It's impossible. I cannot stand back for that. You cannot stand back for that. We stand for the truth. For that person. Now listen. That's what that person preaches. And I, I tell you, I don't hate that person. I feel a compassion. Because think for yourself, how must that person have a relationship with God? There's no relationship with God. I want to go so far as to say, you cannot say you know God if you've said that. You don't know God. You don't know God. For that's not who He is. It's not what I know about God. I know a God that was not willing to attack me, but He was willing to give His Son that I might be saved. And He was willing to, to, to help me in everything that I can become righteous, even free from my works. I know a God that when He looked at the sick, the Bible says, and He had compassion and healed them. Amen. So he says, my son. Now, now listen. Imagine the, the voice of God, the way He speaks, is by doing that. To a, if I go today and I do something to somebody, even if it's not painful, injecting him with something without him even knowing it, that he's not in his right mind anymore, you know how long I'll go to jail for that? And then I say, listen, Trust this guy, man. He's a good guy. You know what he does? He'll come and help you. If your husband doesn't listen, he'll sort some stuff out. 
He's a good guy. You can believe in him. He's just like God. <laughs> and then, you know, he, he, he knows exactly where to get you. He'll even hit you there where it hurts the most. The thing you likes the most, that's the thing God's going to take away to talk to you, you know. Even an unborn child. I cried. I said, God, this can't be true. God, this can't be true. And the church sits with so much hurt out there. The, the body of Christ. Let alone the people that doesn't even know about the Lord Jesus Christ. People are hurt and they are in desperate need of this gospel. They don't know that the man that relates to the law is already dead. And now they're still trying to work their way up into God having a smile over there. God can he be a smile where you only, bro? We can just accept that. He says, my son, attend to my words, incline your ear unto my sayings. In other words, incline your ear only to the grace message. Don't change to something else. Let them not depart from your eyes. In other words, in your eyes, see yourself as righteous. Keep them in the midst of your belief system, your heart. Let the words of God be part of your subconscious mind. man. Because out of your heart, listen to what it says here. It says, let it go right deep into your heart. How do we get this word to be part of our hearts? By meditating upon it, by listening to it, by hearing the good news of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God that's preached. That's what the Bible says. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. And then, once you've got this message of grace in your heart, keep your heart. That word keep means to guard. Guard your heart with all diligence. Now, um, another translation says, guard your heart above all things that must be guarded. Guard your heart above everything. Everything. Above your children, your wife, your house, everything. Guard that revelation of the unconditional love of God above all things. Listen. If you come to my house, and you square with my wife, you're in trouble, my friend. You're in trouble. I remember a guy came to my house started to shout at my wife. I threw him out. Pray for him later. <laughs> it's not now time for... We'll pray for you once you've calmed down, brother, but you're not shouting at my wife. And I'll protect my children. Nobody bullies my children. Doesn't, doesn't work like that. Now, if that's the way we protect our family and ourselves, how much more? Our hearts. Guys, I think it's time that we come to a place where we say, this gospel of grace, that's all we hear. I don't mix with anything else because out of my heart flows life. My life is determined. What, I'm, what I feel in my life is determined by what I believe. For, with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That word issues is the Hebrew word that says the forces that drives your life out of your belief system is the force that drives your life. That bank account says minus too much. Then your, what's going to drive your life into peace is not you trying to confess five scriptures now. 
It is a deep understanding of the person of God that's always for you, never against you, that says nothing can separate you, um, separate you from my love for you. Neither life, nor death, nor poverty, nothing, no demon, nor angel, nothing can separate you from my love. What does that mean? That means that even if I go through poverty, nakedness, distress, peril, the sword, if I go through all those bad things, none of those things is an indication that God is not, does not approve of me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's how people believe, man. <laughs> Oh yeah, you can't pay your water and lights. Oh yeah, no, then God doesn't love you anymore. Yes, you've done something wrong. There's a separation, yo. This is the sign, eh? You know why you can't pay water and lights? Simply because you don't have money. That's all. For that means nothing. It just means you didn't have money to pay it. But you know what? Jesus Christ died for you. Do you know what that means? It means you're approved of God forevermore. Hallelujah. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing is an indication that says God doesn't love me anymore. Thank God that His love is not just as happy feelings from afar. You know? From a distance. God is watching us. No, no. No, 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 no. He's not happy feelings from afar. He's as close as the breath in your mouth. The Bible says, don't say, we will go up into the heavens to bring the Christ down. Or, down into the depths of the earth to bring up from the dead. It was a, a, a way of saying, Hebrew way of saying, don't think it's by your effort. The righteousness that's by faith is not by your effort. The righteousness that's of faith says this, it's close to me, even in my heart and in my mouth. For I believe unto this righteousness. Matthew, are you righteous? Yeah. Why? I've believed unto righteousness. Why have you believed? The word believe means to rest your mind. Why have you rested your mind? For I have been bombarded with facts of the unconditional goodness of God. And I got persuaded of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when we read the Bible, in conclusion, when we read the Bible, we don't read this book just to see, you know, what God has done for us. There's a deeper reason. We read this to see Jesus Christ, okay, the revelation of grace. Oh yeah, this is one thing I must say. See the revelation of grace, because out of the revelation of grace, the correct picture is painted about who God is. And then eventually you rest your mind in who God is. Like I went to one of my friend's house and he, he spoke to me, he says, yes, you know, this business thing is not lacquer. But you know what we said, without quoting scripture anything, we say, it's not in the nature of God to see you go down. It's not in the nature of God. 
And when we said that, I thank God that we could come to the place where we could have been uh, uh, um, permeated and flooded with this message of grace until we found that faith. You know? Because that's, that's true belief. Not in the nature of God. This is not in the nature of God. No ways. And God did a miracle. Isn't that awesome? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Now, Revelation. You know, <coughs> there's, a, there's a mentality so many times amongst people that God has revealed things in Jesus and that He's constantly revealing deeper revelations, you know. That the stuff that He was hiding away and now He's revealing more and more, you know. And then He's given these special people, you know, on the planet that He reveals these things to now. And that if you're not under them, Brew, you must now then go and buy a house in that city and go there and be under him. Otherwise, sorry, Brew. I've got good news for you. If you know what Jesus Christ has done for you, let me put it in short. If you know that he be- why he became a human being, if you know he became a human being for the same reason as what Adam because Adam represented us, he became a human being to represent me and you. That's why he became a human being. He was born under the law. Why? So that he could obey the law on your behalf. So that through his obedience you could be made righteous. Okay? Why did he die? To take away your sin and so that the lawman could die. Why was he resurrected in human flesh? If he was never resurrected in human flesh, he would have had a problem. But now he was resurrected... Human flesh was resurrected from the grave, glorified, is seated at the right hand of the Father. The fact that human flesh is righteous before God, glorified forevermore, means that you will be forever righteous. If you believe that, let me tell you something. Nobody can teach you anything more. There's no deeper revelation. If somebody comes with a deeper revelation than that, then it's even a revelation to God. (laughs) That's it, my friend. You've known it all. There's nothing more to know. What have we done tonight? We've taken scriptures, scripture upon scripture, and we've just confirmed what we already know. And that's the vision. Every time you come here, we will just do the same. Because we don't want to neglect the gathering of the brethren, because when we come together here, we are encouraged in the grace of God, we stay in the grace of God. That's the only reason why we come together. This is not for my self-image or anything like that. I feel good about myself. Not to, if I must, if I must feel good about myself because of twenty people gathering and his numbers and all that, then I will feel very bad. Because there's other guys, it's got lots of people, you know. No, 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 it's not about that. It's about just staying in the grace, staying in the grace, staying in the grace of God. Hallelujah. There's no deeper revelation. Nothing. You know what the Bible says in that scripture in in, in, um, second, uh, in First Corinthians three? He says, "I spoke unto you as unto babes." And not as unto mature. And then we think, you know, there's a certain gospel for the babe. And there's a certain gospel for the mature. I always thought that. But then I read in chapter 2, he said that when I came to you, I came with simplicity of speech. And I preached the simple gospel to you. But to some, it's wisdom. And to others, it's foolishness. Then he goes on, he says, to some of you, this simple gospel, this one simple revelation, I spoke to you as unto babes. A babe signifying somebody is still under the law. But to others, the wisdom of God. Mature. So it's not a different revelation. 
It's the same thing. It's your understanding of what is said that determines what you hear. I mean, if somebody comes to me and says, Bertie, let me tell you something. Your sins has been paid for in Christ and you've been made the righteousness of God. I mean, what deeper revelation? Huh? Listen, the, in this time and the time to come, there's no greater gift as righteousness as a gift by faith. There's nothing greater. So don't be deceived by Satan in, in saying there's something more and now you start to hunger and now he gives you the 20 ways to get to nothing. <laughs> and you keep yourself very busy going nowhere. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's close our eyes. <clears throat> Father, I want to thank you for your awesome gospel. I want to thank you for these people. I want to thank you, my God. That, that, that you have come to reveal this wonderful truth. And I want to pray for people here tonight. And I thank you that for some people it might be, man, what is this gospel? It sounds good, but what is this? I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, inside a person I know this, that just that, that yes... This, this sounds right. And I thank you, my God, that that is the confirmation of your Holy Spirit in their hearts. Thank you for that, my Father. I also want to pray for people out tonight that doesn't know this message. Father, I thank you that you, you've brought us as laborers in your vineyard to go and labor with this gospel of grace. And thank you, my God, that your Holy Spirit works in us so much compassion and so much love that we don't go as a commandment that you say, go and preach the gospel, but we go as an unction and, and, and as, as an outflow of love and share this message with people. For there are so many people out there, Father, that's marriages falling apart, children on drugs, um, people that's in churches that feel so far from God that never knows if God will ever approve of them. And never knows if, if, if God will just pick them amongst people to bless. To say, man, I love you. And I thank you, Father, that that's the simplicity of your gospel. People can feel your love, your dignity, to have, the dig have dignity and worth. Thank you for that, my God. That we can live lives of peace. Your peace. I just pray for this city. I pray for the whole world. I thank you, my God, that this gospel will go out all over the world, that you will use us. Use me, Lord. Use these people who want to share. If it's just for one, or if it's for a billion, we don't care. It's the same. You don't make more effort for three than for one. For every child has got the same value. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Father. In Jesus' mighty name. You know, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says He's reconciled you by not imputing your trespasses against you. But then it says, Be ye now reconciled unto God. What that means is accept that. Accept that. And in your mind, see that, see that your sins are forgiven. And say, I don't see myself as a sinner anymore. I see myself as a child of God and I receive the salvation of God for I believe what He's done for me. That's all you do. And from there you, are, you receive 
the new birth, the manifestation of the new birth in your life. If there's any sins that bothers you, man, just go and say, God, these things bother me, but I thank you that you've forgiven me and I receive my freedom. And you're free. Because that's backed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for every person here that's got a financial need. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I declare that that need is met by Jesus. And anything that opposes this, anything that wants to stop this, people that come, all men are not of God, the Bible says. Their minds is not of God. All all men are not for the gospel of grace. There are so many people out there that stingy, that will want to steal and rob. I thank you that I can speak right now over everybody's finances here. I say you are the blessed of God. You're the righteousness of God. Your blessing, the blessing, financial blessing is upon you right now. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.